All right, I can't think of a better way to... We've had our two biggest episodes back-to-back with the lovely Kristen Dode from Vanderpump Rules. For all you reality TV nutswingers, it's still climbing the charts. And then for all you sports fans, the great Dustin Penner, two-time Stanley Cup champion, the highest accomplished athlete ever on my couch, and it's still being talked about in NHL circles because we broke down the gay sports bar scene, which I'm not sure the NHL was happy about. So to follow those two, you need someone who can drop a hammer. You need someone who's not going to shy away from controversy. And I've known this man for, I think, 12 years, one of the funniest dudes I know, and I love him for his honesty. You talk about keeping it real. He keeps it really real. And if you don't like it, too bad. Put your hands together for not my favorite gay comic, but one of my favorite comics. Because straight or gay or anywhere in between, this guy gets it. Mr. Ty Rivera. <laughs> What's up, Earl? I love you so much. I love the or anything in between. I always love anything in between. I bet. I mean... <laughs> There's a lot of the closeted comics out there. We might out a few of them before, uh, you know, the show's over. Why not? <laughs> I mean, you know, who cares? It's 2016. Yeah, it's uh, it really is. Uh, why would you care at this point if you're, you know, just come out already if you're gay. Stop trying to play it off. And yeah, I mean, you know, for some, uh, they've gotten so much pussy that it's a gateway drug to dick. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard people say that before, and I don't know what, uh, yeah, I don't know what that's about. Because I could never understand the reverse. I could never see that happening. You know what I mean? I could never see being like, oh, I've had so much dick now. I've run out of interest. Let me try. I couldn't even, I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> like, let me try some what? <laughs> I mean, I look at a guy like David Lee Roth, who's rumored to uh, have some uh, dalliances with men. It's like, this is a guy who's fucked probably five, 6,000 women, you know, maybe more. And at this point, he probably needs to stick his dick in a cheese grater to, like, get going. He was so hot when he was Van Halen days. Yeah, in the I 80s. Loved, not now. Yeah, I loved David Lee Roth. I mean, now he looks like Carol Chan. I know. Believe me, I've seen. I Like, he's one that I really, like, when I was young, I, I you know knew that I was attracted to men, obviously. So, like, I used to watch some of his videos and be like, wow, that's something to look at. I mean, he's a beautiful, it was a beautiful dude. The hair, the body. Uh, I mean, he's what I want my body to look like now. Just he's not too muscular, but he's just lean enough. What are you talking about? Your body's better than that. Oh, Ty, you're already in my heart. Stop it. <laughs> It's true though. Like you have muscle. He like he's cool. He had an all right body, but he didn't have like actual muscle. You know what I mean? He was toned. But I mean, like but you know, you have muscle. For oh, well, thank you. And your body's always on point. Thank you. I mean, you do the nude selfies. Yeah. On Facebook that break the internet. I mean, <laughs> you're like the Kardashian of the comedy. Yeah, world. the Kardashian of comedy. I love doing. It. Yeah, the the occasionally occasional shirtless selfie. I, I do well, I think that. it's beyond shirtless. Some of these shots. <laughs> well, yeah, but I I crop out uh, like the. I mean, I, you've taken a feeling like Jesus. I don't even know if I would put that on the internet, and I put my dick pic on the internet, so. 
just to make ex-girlfriends jealous. Yeah, so. I missed your dick pic. I know you you showed it uh, at uh, Roast Battle not too long ago. I did, and I uh, I, I think uh, I showed it to Jason Reitman, who's like only one of the most powerful producers in, on the scene right now, and he just looks at me and goes, nice dick, bro. <laughs> like, And then you wonder why I'm not successful at stand-up. Like, you know, instead of saying, hey, Jason, I got an idea to pitch to you, I'm showing him my dick pic. You're so ridiculous. Well, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, you know. Oh, both of us. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, we've been doing You've been doing how long stand-up? 13 years. And I think I'm 16 in, uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot more to the business than I had anticipated than just them being funny see but it's only the internet that's made it so that people feel like they're not where they should be at like 13 or 16 years because if you think about it for a long time it took like you know usually at least 20 years for a comic to really even get on the radar like as far as nationally or you know be known and so with the internet it's kind of accelerated that process for some people and nothing against anybody but it's also made it so some people that don't necessarily deserve it based on talent have been able to make something in themselves because they had like a look or as they say, a hook, not to be cheesy, but you know what I mean? No, you're right. And so it's given people more of a platform than, than in some cases they should have based on talent or level of experience. And a lot of these people, they're great in five minute in increments or, you know, six second increments on Vine. But then like you go watch them at an actual show. Stuff. You feel like you've been had. You pay you paid full price to watch a show if to, to watch somebody do 45 minutes that really can't do 15. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I know one particular Vine celebrity. Uh, I won't even say their gender. Uh, they're not the maybe not the best comic. And uh they get paid ten grand if you want them in your Vine video. Like, yeah. It's crazy. And so, so they get the headline. Yeah. And this particular person probably doesn't have ten minutes. Yeah, not being a hater or anything. It's just know. it's just what it is. You know what I mean? It's like that's not worth it. And and it really, in my opinion, does in some ways hurt comedy because comedy i explain this to people all the time is an expensive night for the average person like you think about it like uh especially like you know you look at certain demographics like if you're pulling in uh you know like a 30 something demographic if you're pulling in a 30 something demographic then a lot of times they're having to hire babysitters and then, you know, like if you're going to Hollywood or West Hollywood, you're going to have to pay for parking. And so like, then there's a two drink minimum. There's, then there's whatever you pay for the ticket. So it's an, a minimum of a hundred dollars that you're going to spend on that night. And then you go and it's not a good experience and you feel like you've been burned. And then people don't think about it as like this show was a bad show. They think comedy's bad and then they don't want to come see comedy for a while. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's you're almost underestimating the hundred dollar tag. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm being very conservative with that. Because <laughs> then you got to go out after usually, like mm -hmm. drinks or you know, um, swingers, which is like the L.A. stand up, you know, yeah, uh, place to eat after a show. And uh, I mean, it's there's so many bad comics, men and women, uh, that. You know, I mean, I still when I did bringer shows early on when I didn't really know what was going on, they were bad shows. And I still can't get those people that went to come to a show now because they're like, oh, 
That's what new comics don't understand. You know, I was lucky when I came to L.A. because I'm sure I would have done bringers if they had been an option for me. But when I first came to L.A., I didn't know anybody. And so the only people that I was meeting were comics. So it was like, there's no way I could do any bringers, you know. And so I was lucky for that because now I can invite people to shows and I can invite them to really good shows like Comedy Juice or shows at the Laugh Factory where they're going to see, you know, which however people feel about their comedy, um, like... If you see, if you invite the average person out and they end up seeing Dane Cook, Chris D'Elia, you know, um, some of the people that they've seen on TV, they're excited about that. So they feel like that's a treat. So then, like, I never had to deal with the the bringer side of things, luckily, or my friends seeing that. By the time I met regular people, I was already doing good shows. And how did you, because we met at, I think, bar shows, Liquid Zoo, uh, I think Michael's Pub. Um, Ireland's 32 was the place I really remember seeing you and uh, I can't remember and then we used to both do a Moggies right didn't you do a Moggies I did yeah and like um, I tell people all the time you're one of the people that helped me the most when I was first starting out even though you probably don't even realize it Um, I was just starting out I had just come to LA and I met you and you would give me these little tips that were to as far as you went crappy rooms but you'd be like come out to if you get a chance come out to taco beach tomorrow i can't guarantee that you'll get stage time but i'll at least talk to the guy and then you did that for me a couple of times and because there was no real risk for me it was just time I would drive out there and then like every time you said that I ended up getting up on the show then it was up to me to do well and I did do well at those shows and then they would have me back and so that's kind of how I started to grow here you were a big part of that you and Mike Miratori oh Miratori's uh, he's got a line I think you both set me up uh with Gail uh it was a double combo <laughs> you know yeah Gail you and Gail that lasted a long time that was we were like the uh, OJ and Nicole of the uh, comedy You're scene so ridiculous um <laughs> I see OJ's point of view but uh, we're back on good terms so uh you know that's another story but you know I always enjoyed it I miss that era of our comedy careers where people would help each other out it, like doesn't seem now that it's everyone's out for themselves which i get but like when i saw you i'm like wow this guy's really funny uh i, I didn't think of you as a gay comic i just thought you were you're just, like i don't differentiate oh this is a funny female comic it's just to me comedy we're all one race or whatever me neither like especially like and that's what it is especially if a person's funny like all that melts away and that's what i tell people and then they get mad at me and saying that and say that i'm being negative or whatever else but to me that's the best way to look at it and it's not negative at all like you know like when i say don't get caught up on what you are you know if you're a female don't consider yourself a female comic and talk about how hard it is to be a female comic when you're talking to other comics like it's okay to just let that go and just be another comic you know and somebody says something funny then you laugh somebody says something that's not funny then you don't but it doesn't have to turn in this whole like oh this was misogynistic or i heard this the other day and it was so homophobic and was it funny or not that's all you should concern yourself with when you're a comic yeah yeah i mean i uh like i hate all themed shows like a pretty funny women show it's like just have a funny comedy show you know like or all male shows, uh, you know, there's a lot of unfunny males out there, but 
you know, like I was on a lineup once at the comedy store where some, uh, I guess you'd call her a feminist comic, said, where are the women on this lineup? And it was like, I was probably the worst comic on the lineup. I mean, it was like, you know, Rogan, D'Elia. Yeah, good uh, show. Theo Vaughn, uh, you know, Craig Fitzsimmons. It's like, what woman should replace any person on this comic? It may, maybe Sarah Silverman, but like, I doubt if she called in for a spot that week, she wouldn't have been on that lineup. Yeah. So I just, that is like one of the things that bothers me is like these, like all gay shows, like, or all women shows, all men shows. Well, people get mad every time somebody says that women aren't as funny. And I don't think it's fair to say that women aren't as funny. But what I do think is completely fair to say is that women in a lot of cases typically do get caught up on a lot of stuff that men don't get caught up on. Like, you know, with women, they have, and I've said this before, and then people were like, you're being sexist and whatever. And fuck it, then I'm being sexist. But this is the way I really feel about it. Like, women, because I've hung out with a fair amount of female comics, and I've tried to help a lot of them out. I could name names, but I will not, because I'll end up sounding like a true Damn fucking... <laughs> I'll sound like a true fucking cunt. But I'll tell you what happens with a lot of women. Women have every excuse for why they can't do comedy. I've got a baby shower next week. My girlfriend's getting married. I've got to go to a bachelorette party. I've got to, you know, go to a rehearsal for this. I've got. It's like my family's in town. Men are more likely to say fuck it to everything and just do what they have to do. Where women, whether it's society or I don't know what makes them feel obligated, but they feel like they have so many more things that they have to do that are not comedy related. Like a good example of who doesn't do that is like Jen Murphy. Oh, she's an animal. Yeah, Jen Murphy is a comic that just, if you give her a spot, if you're offering her some work, she's going to be there. But, like, you know, then there's some other females that I've, because, you know, I've worked with Jen Murphy quite a bit, not so much lately, because now we're kind of at the same level, so it's not like I can get her a lot of stuff anymore. You know, she's doing her own stuff. But I used to have her come out with me a little bit, and, like, you know, I like the way she does things. Another one is Jessica Michelle Singleton. Jessica Michelle Singleton will go anywhere, will do anything, will sleep on a couch, whatever she has to do. My friend um, that works the Midwest, her name's Carmen Morales, she's going to be moving here. She's really good like that. But then you have, you know, like some other comics that I won't mention their names. Damn, don't go soft on me now. <laughs> I'm trying to get numbers, brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> if you want to know one person that really disappointed me, and I don't mind saying this because uh, she made such a big deal when we weren't friends anymore or like... We're friends again, but like Roe really disappointed me. I worked with Roe quite a bit and I really did try to help her out. There was even a point where I had us a job, um, which was teaching comedy to a lawyer. And I was getting paid $30 an hour to do this job. And this guy just uh, wasn't a comic, just a lawyer who wanted to get into it. Yeah, and he had um, this really big convention that he was getting ready for and he wanted to do stand up at this convention, like to show the the lawyers, the other lawyers at this convention, like kind of how that can be effective in using humor and that kind of stuff. So it was basically like an assignment. And um, I was getting paid $30 an hour by this guy. And sometimes like my style would be a little too edgy or we'd kind of run out of like not ideas between the two of us, but we were looking for another take. 
And so he asked me if I had a friend. I had Roe brought in for $30 an hour as well. So I'm getting her $30 an hour, me $30 an hour. I know one week I put in 40 hours and he paid me for all 40 of those hours. I was offering her the same situation. (laughs) And when she was, when I brought her on, it was like, I really do need your help with this. this is legit. I'm not just trying to milk this guy. Like I really am trying to get him what he wants, you know? And, um, then her dad came to town and she was like, well, I've got to go to breakfast with my dad. I got to go to dinner with my sister. Got, she always had a million things. Right. So then we come to the part where um, at one point he got to where he wanted to just kind of hang out with us and not pay you. Well, he was trying to make it like that. Why? But it was like. One, that wasn't the agreement. And two, if if you want to hang out with me and not pay me, then you meet me at open mics. And then, you know, I'll hang out with you like I do any other comic. But like, I'm not going to hang out at your house unless I'm being paid, you know, because that's what we're supposed to be doing is working when we're at your house. So I discussed this with Ro. And um, long story short, when we went to talk to him about it to make sure that we got paid... She ended up leaving me out to dry and making it sound like in front of him after we had just discussed it in the car (laughs) that, you know, we were going to make sure that he paid us. And from here on out, we'll just be more clear with you. You know what I mean? Since you had to pay this one from here on out, you know, at the point you want to stop paying, that's when you cut us. That's when it's time for us to just go home or go do open mics or whatever we do. Get out of here. Um, so we agreed on that. And then I was talking to him about it and I was cool with starting it off, you know, and I was just letting him know that this... So I'm saying this to him. And then in the middle of it, she interrupts me and she was like, you know, Ty, I just feel bad. I think we're, we're being, and it's like, this is business row. And we just talked about this and now right in front of him. And I'm saying this in front of him, just like this. Cause you know, I have no real filter. And so I was just like, we just talked about this before he got in the car and now you're changing it on me. And then our friendship ended when, um, she asked me to go to New York to open for her? We, well, or she, co-headline. She had a show she was going to do. And we she like was going to set us up a couple of shows. We had like maybe I think three paid shows. But we were going to be there for like two weeks. But she had a friend we could stay with. And I was very honest with her. I was like, I can't afford a vacation. So if we're going to go and we're going to do a bunch of spots and I get to introduce myself to the New York scene, I'm fine with that. But... um. As far as just like us hanging out, I can't afford to just go to New York like that. So, and she was like, no, you're going to be surprised how many spots we can do. And, you know, she's a, my friend Bianca is on it. She knows what we're going to do. She's, she's on the scene. I ended up meeting her friend Bianca. Her friend Bianca was like, you know, I was like, so you're pretty, you you know the spots, right? You know where we're going to go and stuff like that. And Bianca's like, well, I haven't really been around for the last four months, so I don't really know, but it should be easy enough for me to figure out. We ended up checking through Chuckle Monkey and ended up on a couple wild goose chases. Things weren't in a row. Then um, she also was more about hanging out with her friends. So there was a fair amount of that. And then one day I lost it in a diner when we were supposed to go out to do spots. And then her and her friends were trying to waste my time. They wanted to have dessert and all sorts of shit. This is before we've done even one spot for the night. And I was hoping to do three to five every night there so that I could introduce myself to people. Which you can in New York if you, if you like LA, it's hard to do that. But in New York, there's... 
you can get as many as seven spots in one night. Yeah, and so I'm trying to do as many as I can possibly do. And this chick is trying to hang out with her friends and trying to take me along as her, I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like her hangout buddy or her fag or I don't know what the fuck this bitch is thinking at this point, you know? And so I lost it in this fucking diner and was just like, because uh, I, I was giving her the eye signal, like, let's get the fuck out of here, you know? And because her friends were like, so what do you think? Should we get some dessert? And I knew it was time for us to get to the mics. And so I was giving her the eyes like, you know, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. She looks dead in my eyes and sees me doing that, looks at her friends and she's like, yeah, I can go for some dessert. And so then uh, I can imagine that. I imagine your eye game signal is quite strong. Oh, yeah, I'm great. at I'm great at the eyes, especially because I'll look you like, oh, we got to get out of here. And so like um, so the server like, you know, is like, what are you having? And they're, so they're trying to decide what they're going to have. And then they look at me and Rose like, so what do you want, Ty? And I was like, I want to get the fuck out of here. That's what I want to do. I want to go do spots like I'm supposed to be doing instead of sitting, having dessert at a diner. And so everybody got uncomfortable. <laughs> we got out of there right away. Um, we went to go do some spots and then. She wasted my time. I told her we can't be wasting time like this. Like I told you, I didn't she have time. She on a tight budget. Yeah, and, and I you don't. You were not working. I mean. Yeah, I'm do, there to do open mics, and I was cool with like pay to play. Anything I had to do in New York City, because a lot of comics won't do pay to play, and I get that if you're living in a city. But if I'm introducing myself to a city, I have full confidence and I know the way I work. If you put me in a spot and I do pay to play, I'm going to impress some people and then I'm going to get some other bookings or, you know what I mean? Right. Like told where open mics are. I know the way my life works out. I know the way my comedy speaks for me. And so I have confidence in that. She was refusing to do pay to play. So there were some situations where I was like, no, I could benefit from this. And then she was like, no, I just, you know, when I was starting out, I did this. So I, I, I don't want it. And it's like, so I politely let her know at one point, like, uh, that we could stay friends, but like us doing business together is just done. Like we'll finish out because we had some shows booked in like Bakersfield and stuff like that, that we we're supposed to make some money off of. And um, she said, and well, when I told her that, you know, we could stay friends, but the business part is done. Let's just finish out the spots that we have because, you know, we're going to make money off of them. So let's at least finish out what we've already booked. And then just from then on out, we can be friends, no business. And then, um, she started crying like we had a breakup. It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> but you guys were very, uh, I remember, uh, this is about the mid-2000s. Uh, yeah, and I spent the night at her house every night. and or You know what I mean? Like, we hung out all the time. We were always together. Yeah, I mean, any room I would uh, be in, you guys would walk in together. Or, mm -hmm. you know, and so you guys were very associated with one another. Yeah, but I was really like, and I admit this with any friendship I've had, I'm always the steam in the engine. I'm always the one that's like booking us spots or making sure that we get places and stuff like that or making sure we get money. I mean, like that's always been what I am with my friends, you know? Um, I, I don't mind doing that. I don't, I mean like every, a lot of people talk shit about me, but what nobody ever mentions is that every person that's ever been associated me, with me has made money off of their friendship with me. Yeah. But what I've always loved about you from day one is your, uh, 
not abrasiveness. That's probably the wrong word. It's just your uh, brutal honesty. Like, if you don't like something, you say it, whether it's that a popular opinion or not. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, in L.A., I, you know, I do a thing. Uh, I guess the difference between you and me is, like, I do a thing on Twitter called Attention L.A. Comics where I basically mockingly make fun of the scene. And I'm doing it half just to get a cheap laugh and and you know half just to, i'm bored <laughs> you know <laughs> you do it but it's uh like your facebook uh i guess i don't want to say rants but your facebook postings you really you call out people you yeah. uh it's a little more aggressive than i do yeah i guess They're, but i you're the first guy when i wake up in the morning on facebook i go what did ty say today or last night Thanks. Yeah. And they're rants in a lot of cases, but like, it's cause a lot of people don't like, I think when I was starting out, there was like less need for that. Even if there had been Facebook at the time I was starting out, there was like MySpace, <laughs> which was much friendlier, <laughs> you know, yeah. much more like, Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, like Facebook is like, I got some shit to say. <laughs> and Twitter's the jungle, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's one thing I do like Twitter, but I, I hear Twitter starting to change too with like some of the terms and policies. I mean, I think it's great because I, because of its simplicity. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's, uh, and I love how they limit 140 uh, character because if you let people go on, it, it, it could be could be you. I wish it was 1400 characters because <laughs> no, but you're. I love your honesty, and uh, which is why I'm amazed. And you know, 13 years of knowing you, we've never really had an argument. I mean, I know we don't run in the same circles per se, but uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, well, you know, with, but that's me with most real comics. Most comics that are really trying to hustle and get somewhere, I don't have problems with them. It's usually like newbie open micers, people that, you know, want to be more everybody's friend than an actual comic. That's who gets on my nerves. Like I called out a couple of people for being fake recently because there was one that was doing this awesome person of the day shit. And I think he still does it, but he blocked me after I, I posted about it. But it's like such a fucking fake thing. Like here's the awesome person of the day. And it just happens to be somebody that books a room or happens to be someone that's ahead of you in comedy. And then like, you know, every day you can think of somebody awesome because I can't really think of somebody awesome every day, and I have five thousand Facebook friends. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know, well, I definitely won't be awesome person of the day if it comes down to people who can help you. <laughs> I, I got to get the podcast numbers up. You got a great reputation at the store, though, so you might end up awesome person of the day, so that they can get in a little better at the store. You know, people. I mean, you know, I, I'm a little more on the DL. Uh, you know, I mean, the store is my home base. You know, it took me 15 years to get in there, but uh, thank God for Adam. That's all I got to say. So, but you did it though, and that's the other thing. Like a lot of people think that the store. I just had this conversation the other day on Facebook because I posted that I had done two spots in a night at the store, which I love seeing because you should be in at the store, and you are in at the store. I mean, there's multiple. I mean, it's so hard to get spots there that even being on friends and family is to me an accomplishment. Like now, 
Oh, yeah. They're really great with me. And that's the other thing, though. But I think that's the other reason I get a lot of spots there is because I'm one of the comics that even though, like, you know, I've worked a lot and I've done some stuff and I got some credits and that kind of stuff. I don't go into the store with any sense of entitlement. And I understand even as being friends and family that that doesn't guarantee me a spot on the potluck. And I think that's how a lot of people fuck up is they think that because they got to friends and family or they're getting development spots now that now everybody owes them something. And it's like, no, there's not only are there 10 other people here that that are here for spots, there's 10 other people here that are worthy of the spots right now. So it's like you and other people that that are on your same level. You know what I mean? So it's like. You can't really talk shit. It's not like a like comedy store. That's one thing I like about it is I do consider it like once you get in and once you get past like, you know, the open mic part of it, I do consider it to be a fair system. Yeah. I mean, I think, at the, you know, I don't know what uh, Tommy's uh, system was, even though I had him for four hours on this podcast. I'm still confused <laughs> on his, uh, you know, the way he did things. But I think with Adam, uh, who I've talked about a lot on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, He's, it's how it should have been under Tommy. Like you, you progress, you do potluck, friends and family, development spots, showcase pass. It's a very clear system. Um, I, you know, but still people, I think some are like, well, I was getting more spots under Tommy. I wish he was back, which is insane, but. Yeah, well, Tommy had told me after seven years that he was never going to showcase me. And he told me that in so many words. And so once he told me that, then I stopped going to the store. And that's why you didn't really see me there that much, except for to hang out every once in a while. And then once I heard about Adam and I had met Adam once when uh, when Tommy was still there, you know, um, I had met Adam and I remember him being nice. And so once Tommy was gone and then all the waitresses, when I would see them around, you know, or I'd stop into the store just to hang out socially, um, everybody was telling me that Tommy was gone. And so I should I, I should start coming back now. And so I started coming back, but I wasn't I didn't just jump right in. And then recently I made it a point. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make it a point to be at the store every Monday. And the guys were nice to me and would put me up friends and family, even when I wasn't friends and family, when I would get on the list, you know what I mean? And then, um, Adam, after seeing me a couple of times was like, yeah, if you'd like, you know, I'd like for you to start calling in for development spots. If you're, you know, around town, I know you're on the road a lot. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then since then, you know, I've gotten enough development spots that I'm happy I mean that's like the the really the last step before being passed is even development spots are to me you're a regular in the sense at the store because they're so hard to uh, you know get you know it's insane how the lineups are now at the store that people who would probably be on the lineups now get the development spots because there's just no room to. You know, the store's never been better. Yeah, and because of the level of talent that's going in and because of how packed the store is, just every room is packed a lot of nights. Like, you really do have to humble yourself and just be like, okay, this is where I'm at. Because it really is, like, in that way, it really is very fair. So, like, what? I'm going to go in and complain to Adam and be like, I think I should have Mark Maron's spot? That makes no sense. So I'm going to say, what, Joe Rogan shouldn't be going up? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the level of talent that's in there right now. It's like Louis C.K. showed up. Guess what? Everybody's getting bumped. 
Oh you yeah. Feel how you want about it. You know what I mean? It's just what it is. You want you want to uh, be able to bump Louis C.K. Make your way to where you're above Louis C.K. Don't fucking complain about, you know, oh, I got bumped. No, I'm not doing my spot or whatever. Fuck off. I'm so tired of everybody expecting something, especially from the comedy store. Because you hear people talk about the comedy store is misogynistic. The com- comedy store is homophobic. The comedy store is this. That's all bullshit. If you, you're people that have never taken the time to actually get to know the comedy store and see what it's like. Like, tell Eleanor Kerrigan that the comedy store is misogynistic. Eleanor Kerrigan wrote runs that place when she's around you know everybody loves her everybody respects her eleanor kerrigan is not getting disrespected rose the bartender and she's even kind of new she fucking handles herself at the comedy store everybody treats her with respect everybody's cool with her jeff uh fag you know what i mean like uh jeff uh what's his last name jeff scott yeah jeff scott 30 years up there 30 years openly gay openly gay he makes you look straight. Exactly. <laughs> and I love Jeff Scott, but you know, I mean, like he's so gay and everybody's so cool with him. So you're saying it's homophobic. You're saying it's misogynistic, but you don't even know the dynamics that work within the comedy store. I mean, Jeff Scott's HIV positive. He's a legendary uh, keyboard uh, piano player at the store. Uh, the store's anything but homophobic. I mean, it's definitely a macho environment. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Yeah. But uh, it's certainly not racist. Plenty of black clubs or uh, black shows, black theme shows. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. Byron a, Bowers. Yeah, Byron Bowers, Ian Edwards, Jamar, uh, Gerard, Jerron. Uh, you know, uh, Alicia Cooper brought me up last night. Yeah. And you look at the way every, like you look at what all of these people have in common and really what all of these people do have in common is they're all hard, hardworking comics that don't give a fuck about anything they're told as far as where their lane is supposed to be. You're telling me I'm supposed to work only gay rooms. Fuck that. I'm going to go to the comedy store. I'm going to be everywhere else. And one thing I like about the comedy store, it's one of the places that isn't trying to put any kind of rules on what your comedy is right now because a lot of places are trying to be like you know even if they don't say it they try to mold what you're supposed to say comedy store doesn't do that just get up there and be funny and some nights you don't even have to do that (laughs) believe me i know yeah you know you can be combative with the audience you can be you know what i mean just entertaining some nights i mean like i see what you guys have to do sometimes and when you're performing for one person in the you know in the OR and it's like you know one thirty in the morning it's just like it's no joke yeah you know who doesn't get enough credit is Don Barris oh he's I, I you know I usually bring him up yeah uh, and I'm like there's no comic in the city to me who can close out the store like he does every night. Yeah, and even if it's one person, he'll make something out of it. He's just so great to watch. I love Don Barris. And then also another person, I know you end up in those spots all the time, you know, right before Don. And then uh, Candace is another one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like last night. uh, I brought Candace up and she brought Don up. It's like the lineup last night was insane. I mean, Jezelnik, uh, you know, Rogan. I think Theo, Ian Edwards, uh, Jeff Richards, Jason Galern, and I looked at that lineup and I was like, like we were talking about earlier, I was like, I'm just happy to be on it. Yeah, I was in the belly room and it was a really good show like that. You know what I mean? Ari Shafir closed it out and it was like, yeah, I mean, Rich Slayton show. It was um, dirty, not dirty. Yeah, filthy. Yeah, and it was a great show. And then the night before that, I was there for um, 
stand up on the spot, which is Jeremiah Watkins show. And Joe Rogan was on that Harlan Williams, yeah. um, Baron Vaughn. It's like, this is happening in belly room, which I is know. supposed to be like a secondary room. You know what I mean? And th this is the level of lineup on there. And at that point, yeah, you are just happy to be on the show. It's like, it's nice to be considered even in that company. Oh my God. I mean, you know, I'm happy with the one spot a week I get and, you know, I know people who get three spots a week who are complaining. And it's like, like you just said, it's like, you want to go on ahead of Rogan? Get better credits than he does. And exactly. Be become a fifth degree jujitsu master. Yeah. Bump bump Rogan. Yeah, get to a point where you bump, bump Rogan. Run the light uh, and see what Rogan does to you. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's just like, like I got bumped the other night for Chris Rock. It's like, what are, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's fucking Chris Rock. I, I'm not that I was happy, but I, I get it. Yeah. It's well, like, you know, it's like, uh, I got to work on this 15 minutes. Um, I'm preparing for the Oscars. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I got to work on my uh, new blacks and hockey joke, Chris. Shove off. <laughs> or Seinfeld, uh, the night of roast battle. Yeah, was, I got uh, to see Seinfeld. But right as we're, it was just the worst timing ever. Right as roast battle is starting, like there's a mass exodus in the room. And like me and Moses are looking at each other like, what's going on? Oh, Seinfeld just got on. First time in 37 years he was at the store. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, you know, it sucked. I started bombing instantly because I was trying to be a little over uh, enthusiastic for the people who had stayed. So you didn't get to see Seinfeld? No, it, he literally went on when uh, the first undercard of the battle started. Yeah, Seinfeld, that, the story he told on stage, or one of the things that he said on stage, should let every comic know that, you know store you can take it or leave it but it is what it is um seinfeld talked about how when he went to the store um mitzi told him point blank that she didn't like him and then she also told him that he looks like the kind of person that needs somebody to step on him and she's gonna be that person <laughs> Her club, I guess. Yeah, and so he was a never a regular at the store. You know, he was not. <laughs> Makes me almost not want to be a regular if he's not a regular. Yeah, and so it was a funny story. Like, you know, everybody's dying, especially like Adam and everybody in the back. You know, all the comics are dying because it's like so typical of kind of what the story is. You know, it kind of it's its own thing. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think, that, and he's still not a regular. Yeah. He is, I mean, unwritten, I guess, but, uh, and that goes to show guys like our girls that not, and I think Adam said this on Jamie Flam's podcast, uh -huh. The Gatekeeper, which is really good because Jamie interviews basically only people who are in positions of power. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think Adam said not one club makes you, so... I think a lot of people get too concerned about, I have to get in at the store or the improv because then I'll be famous. And it's like, I mean, look at me. I've been passed for a year. I'm not famous. It helps for sure. Well, yeah. But it's what you make of it. Like, you know, you, your work ethic is, you're the hardest working comic I've ever seen. I mean, you do gigs that most people, you know, I don't want to drive out to Bakersfield for a hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, you do still it. I do that shit. You know, I know. <laughs> still I do that shit. <laughs> Go do a Rick Rome room and, you know, feels like Kentucky, uh, you know, and you people, part of the reason why I wanted you on this show, because I know a lot of comics listen to it, uh, 
which explains the low numbers. Uh, You're stupid. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, the show started, I'm like, I just want to interview my comedy friends and, you know, just ha ha deal with people I, I just like dealing with. And then I saw it, they got about 20 views an episode. I'm like, I better go after some celebrities now. And by celebrities, I mean like the drummer and Poison. But, you know, you've done the path of open mics to book shows to featuring to headlining tv and like people could really learn a lot from you thanks but you know what the the thing that sucks is the thing that's so annoying is that a lot of people look at me being hard working like right now a lot of the younger comics on the scene look at me being hard working as some mark of failure which is always weird to me they're always like they're thinking isn't the isn't that i still feel like I need to grow and I'm working on, you know, new material and that kind of stuff. Their thinking is how did you end up back on this mic with us? And they're not realizing that, yeah, I'll do tribal, I'll do karma. And then I'll have a spot at the laugh factory. Or I'll have a spot at the comedy store. Or I'll have a spot at comedy and magic club. Like these people don't realize I'm a regular every club. Like, except the comedy store. That's the only one I'm not officially a regular at. And officially. I'm, yeah, and I'm and I'm working on that now. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's weird to me that people consider hard work. Like, a lot of the comics, like, you know, like you and people that are more established see it for what it is and that I'm always just trying to work. But a lot of the newer comics have the nerve to be, like, think it's some kind of mark of failure. It's like, what are you thinking? Are you thinking you're going to get to a point where you never need to do, I mean, cause like there's a reason Maria, Maria Bamford shows up at the tribal oh, yeah. every once in a while. She's working on shit. You've got to work on stuff. You know, you can't just say uh, Joe Rogan and Todd Glass were having a conversation about that the other night in the green room. They're talking about how like, you know, sometimes it's hard for them to work on material in certain circumstances. Like Joe Rogan was talking about when he's doing a theater, he doesn't get to do any new material when he's doing a theater because if it's like a huge theater like 2000 people because of the delay on like the laughs and stuff like that you just can't really get a gauge of what you're doing which i mean i would think he would have a little his fan base is so fucking loyal like they're like kiss fans uh -huh. well i think he could do it because they're probably gonna laugh no matter what yeah but if you don't feel comfortable or like you're getting the read you want off of it you know what i mean especially if it's new you're just like is this in your head you're like right. is this working or is this not working you know how it is being an actual comic though like you know which i'm sure is what rogan goes through too like you know there's a little bit of like even when you have a really great set you still wonder if it was okay sometimes, you know? Oh, and yeah. I mean, to the outside person, it looked great. But to you, you know all the mechanics that were going on inside your head, and you're like, that felt horrible. Oh, believe me, I've felt that way a few times after a set. Yeah, and everybody else thought it was great. But in your head, you were just like, that didn't feel good at all. Well, I mean, in my case, almost being liked has hurt me because people like laugh, even if it's not the greatest joke, because, <laughs> you know, they like me so much. They're like, oh, we don't want to hurt Earl's feelings. That's a part of the reason that I make people hate me on Facebook. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're getting a laugh, it's a funny joke. Yeah, it's a part of the reason I don't mind half of the scene hating me because I'm like, OK, I know that I have to earn everything. I know that people aren't laughing just because they like me. But even the people who hate you or, you know, strongly disagree with you, they can't deny your work ethic and like your success. I mean, it's if you weren't funny, you wouldn't be headlining, you know, and, you know, they're probably just jealous and. You know, I'm sure, you know, certain people are jealous, not of my 
whatever success I have, but like, well, he shouldn't be at the store. I should be there. It's like, well, then get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. If you really deserve it, you should be able to just come in and take it. Right. <laughs> like that's the way I feel with these people that are talking shit. I always feel like, Oh, well, you know, if you should be headlining instead of me, then it should be easy enough for you to get in here yeah. because like the rooms I'm doing, you know what I mean? Like, especially when I'm headlining, like when I've been featuring or I've been like, especially guest sets, people don't realize how much money I made off of guest sets one year. It was ridiculous. And all I was doing was these like seven to 10 minute sets, you right. know what I mean? Like, you know, but I would work the headlining on the, on the off nights and stuff stuff like that but like there was one night that i worked for gabriel iglesias where we did i don't know what it's called these days like universal amphitheater or something like that i think it's shut down now yeah whatever it was and it was like seven thousand people and he fucking sells it out and like i fucking performing in this weird circumstance it's like you know the first time i ever worked for gabriel iglesias outside of his um his show was at the DOR Theater in Washington, D.C., which is where Eddie Murphy shot Delirious. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I, I got driven in through the back. My plane was late, so I took a shower in one of the dressing rooms and stuff like that, and I hadn't even seen the stage or the set or anything. And then I walk out onto the stage and I'm like in my head, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> you know, I mean, like it was this huge, um, this huge set that he has set up with this like twirling, like fluffy emblem. You know what I mean? Real deal. Yeah, it's like there's actual shit happening on the stage. There's this huge monitor and like this huge crowd. And it was it was really great, but really surreal. And having to play it off like that was just my everyday life right. in front of these people when in all actuality, that was my first time doing a room that big with that kind of set behind me and everything else, you know? So I've, I've got to do some really great stuff when I've been like opening and featuring but like the thing that people don't realize about me that I think has made it so that I continue to work is that I'll do stuff like that. And then the following week I will be literally in Bakersfield or Fresno because I don't ever mistake somebody else's reality for being mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I used to open up for Rob Schneider's but yeah. similar to Gabriel in terms of their crowds and like you're psyched to be in front of that many people. And then you realize, uh, well, not one person's here to see me. And they're really not. And that's not even an insult. Literally. It's just they're no. not. Yeah, it's like that's what it is. That's a reality. But, you know, it, it. and I don't think people appreciate how hard a job it is being the opener for someone of that magnitude. Because you've got maybe two minutes to win that crowd over before they start going, okay, this guy or girl's not Rob Schneider or Gabriel Iglesias. We want them. Yeah, and in most circumstances, it's easy to be an opener, but you're right. When it's somebody that, when they're there specifically to see somebody, there is a be funny or get that person on the fucking yeah. stage type of mentality coming from the audience. Because, I mean, I know when I go see, uh, like, say, Kiss, you know, I'm there to see Kiss. I don't care who the opening band is. Led Zeppelin could be the opening band. I was like, get these guys off stage. I want Kiss. So I knew when I was out there some nights, I know exactly what this crowd is thinking. We want Deuce Bigelow. Yeah. You know where I got to see that, like on the musical side was um, I went to a concert one time at the Wiltern and um, it was a Scissor Sisters concert. 
And they were so amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. This was several years back, like probably eight, nine years ago. And and they were, you know, up and coming and hot at the time. They had some heat to them. And uh, I went and it was such a great experience, you know. And then a couple years back, like maybe two, three years ago, um, I went to go see Lady Gaga with my nephew. And Scissor Sisters was the opening band. Right. And... uh. I looked at my nephew because I saw them like, you know, stringing up whatever that was Scissor Sisters or whatever. And then I was just like, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I know the, this band. They're they're great. You know what I mean? But seeing them as an opener when people are sitting down and not paying attention, right. you know, what I mean? getting settled. It was just a completely and I was I felt like looking at my nephew and being like, and eh, this isn't what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> really them right now. But yes, yeah, so it was weird seeing that kind of switch. Well, it's like I saw recently Alice Cooper and Motley Crue, and they had, before Alice Cooper, I guess you'd say Alice Cooper was the opener, uh, they had a DJ come out and, like, spin tunes, and he was doing, like, comedy. It was like, oh, my God, this is, I've never seen a DJ bomb before, but you know, <sighs> it's not easy uh, being the opening act, you know, and... But when you're an opening act for someone like Gabriel, does he tell like Rob would let me do whatever I want? He 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 wouldn't care what material I did uh, because you're a little more um, uh, brutal honesty. Did Gabriel say, "Hey, you know, don't talk about this," or did he just let you do your thing? He, for the most part, let me do my thing. The only thing he would warn me about was when we were doing the all ages shows. Right. Yeah, because, you know, he he um, deals with a lot of families. And, but there was one time, though, that, like, they told me to do whatever because we were at this, um, a casino. But I guess because that was, like, the, the performance part or the, the venue, like, you know, I don't know what you would call it, but it was, like, their auditorium and it wasn't technically the casino. Um, kids were allowed in that part. And so we didn't know that it was an all ages show right. or they didn't tell me. <laughs> and so like I did some stuff and then like, then afterwards there were kids and I was like, what the fuck? I thought this one was a do whatever you want type of thing. And he just started laughing and was like, so did I, that's why I told you to do whatever you wanted, right. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, I guess there was a miscommunication or whatever, but no, I mean like technically he never, like, like I said, with all ages shows, he would tell me. And then of course I would adjust for that. But like, you know, as far as just his own personal taste, like, um, people complained somewhat online when I did his show, Stand Up Revolution. Oh, really? Yeah, because they thought that I was racist or whatever they were thinking, you know what I mean? But these people are idiots, you know what I mean? Because like, they also, like, try to kind of snitch to Gabriel, you know what I mean? And it's like, they don't realize that Gabriel had me on specifically for that purpose. Right. Like, because I am different and he wanted me. Like, that was his, like, when he gave me instruction on what he wanted to see, because obviously it's his show and Comedy Central has to approve it, but, you know, it really is his show. So when he told me what he wanted to see, he was like, yeah, I want you to go out there and be you. Like, definitely push the envelope, definitely, you know, be on the edge. He was like, make sure that Comedy Central approves it, but that's what I want you to do. And did you have to show Comedy Central your uh, set and or list of... I did a showcase in at the Comedy and Magic Club, and then um, 
I think one of Gabriel's people, because last time when I did live at Gotham for Comedy Central before it was on Access, you know, um, when I did Comedy or live at Gotham, they had me type it out word for word for them. So what I would imagine happened was Gabriel, somebody from Gabriel's team typed out the set that I did at um, Comedy Magic and submitted that. You know what I mean? Because this time I didn't have to do that. But yeah, I had to do that and they didn't have any notes for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the first time I did it, they were just like, yeah, that works. So I got a call a while later and then we ended up shooting it. Now, when you headline, do you care? Like, I know you headline and bring out Chris Storen a lot. You guys are buds, though. Yeah. Do you tell your features, MCs, anything, or you just let them do what they do? I let them do anything they want to do. Yeah, the only thing that'll ever get you checked, <laughs> and I've had this happen before, and we've addressed it, don't run the fucking light. That's one thing. When you're done, you're done. You know, if you're doing 30, you're doing 30. Wear a stopwatch. I don't give a fuck what you have to do. <laughs> just make sure you're off in time. Right. And then the other thing is don't start adopting premises that you already know I do. Right. If that's just a part of your act and it's been a part of your act, that's fine. But because you see me smashing with a gay hack joke, don't suddenly add rim shots to your fucking right. bits because then I'll not. I'll let you know. Right. <laughs> well, no, I, uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that. Uh, has that happened? Like someone, an opener... It was like, oh, he's he's doing a joke about uh, the gym, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, and working it, out, and then the next night they have a. Yeah, and like I don't mind if it's just like you know, I'm not crazy. I don't mind like a similar premise or anything like that, you know. But like, if I know that you're basically you've been inspired by my joke, and now you're trying to work on a joke right in front of me on my weekend. That's just not the way you do things. Now, uh, have you ever, because this is always a, a big topic in the joke world, have you ever had one of your jokes stolen? Yeah, um, and then I also have this weird thing where um, newer gay comics think they're doing new material, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's my old shit you're doing. Right. That's what that is. You know, and they don't know, but like, you know, and that's what's funny to me sometimes when like some of the newer gay comics judge me and they'll talk shit about like, you know, some of the stuff I'm saying, I just tell them and I tell people around them, like, uh, make sure your friend understands that I can go back to doing stuff that I used to do. But if I do that, they're not going to have an act. Right. So, you know, I mean, because like people think they're original, but really like they don't realize because I've worked so much and because I've done so many shows, so many open mics, just so much of everything, I've burned through a shitload of material. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't do anymore that I can't even remember parts of it. And then I'll be hearing somebody and I'll be like, oh yeah, I used to do something so similar to that, that if I were to put mine out, they would think that, you know, I either stole it from them or people would think they stole it from me. Is it harder being uh, a gay comic from the standpoint of, and once again, I don't consider you a gay comic, but yeah. like you do talk about, uh, mm -hmm. you, how, would you say it's like 50% of your act, just uh, gay stories, uh, situations? Yeah, I guess it would probably be about 50% of my act in a headlining set. 
So, like, it, I mean, imagine a lot of gay comics would have, like, say, a, a typical story about when they came out. Uh, maybe their first uh, time they figured out they liked men, or if it's a girl comic, a lesbian comic, or girl. Like, uh, is there a lot of parallel thinking in in, in gay comics world? Because some of the storylines are going to be, uh, you know, similar. I guess somewhat, but you know, like to me. Let me honestly think before I make this statement. No, don't do that. Just blurt it out. <laughs> well, almost every other gay comic is a non-issue. Right. You know, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily, but like right now what's happening with gay comics is a lot of them try to be politically correct, so they try to say what they're supposed to say. And since that doesn't really enter my mind, I don't really have to worry about them having the same thought process that I have. Um, then the other thing is... Like, so many of them also just use the fact that they're gay as a crutch. So, like, their whole set is about being gay. Like, when I have to headline a gay-themed show, because I know everybody else has done gay jokes, I'll usually do pretty much a whole set of non-gay material to headline it. Right. And the fact that I am gay and I'm obviously gay and I'll make reference to it in the beginning or whatever, but um, that's enough for the audience where they're kind of like, you know, they like it because they know that I'm there, you know, because I am gay and I support. But at the same time, I'm not another comic telling them a joke about a Miata or, you know. <laughs> Liberace. One thing that's gotten on my nerves, though, is I like there's certain things that I do that I bring because I have a dirty life. <laughs> honestly like i do a glory hole joke well suddenly now you see gay and straight comics a lot of them doing glory hole jokes and it's like um i remember when nobody was doing glory hole jokes and i brought that joke like you know and it's been within the last year that i've been doing that joke and all of a sudden now everybody has a glory hole joke but then people try to talk shit about me and what i do and it's kind of like oh yeah you're stealing from me so like i don't have a problem with it because i don't consider you a threat at all but at the same time don't talk shit about me and how i'm too edgy while you're stealing from me right because you're very open with your uh, uh i guess your dating life i mean yeah cruising uh, life uh, well whatever i mean you know uh i that's my favorite al pacino movie <laughs> cruising if you haven't seen cruising please get the dvd with the 40 minutes uh additional footage it's it's uh it's real eye-opening uh he doesn't even talk about that movie like i, I don't know if he's embarrassed by it but like <laughs> I mean, that movie is pretty, as a gate. now, this could be another podcast. I would love to have a special edition of Inappropriate Earl where we, you and I break down cruising. Okay. Like from the straight point of view, because <laughs> the straight point of view, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like the fisting scene at the dance club was like, I still can't get that image out of my mind. But like, it's like being a gay comic do you like doing gay theme shows or do you just like doing like a regular spot at the comedy store? Regular spot. Like, um, like just like the show you were on, uh, the filthy show, uh, in the belly room the other night. Do you, I mean, that's just a, yeah, just, I like doing, I like doing regular shows with mixed audiences, but Oh, when I said that every other gay comic is a non-issue, this is what I want to say. I knew there was somebody that I really like and that I really do consider to be like, um, as far as, comics that are gay goes there's a comic that is very gay his name is ron vi and he's um in san francisco and he runs a 
place called Harvey's that I like to do as well. I love the room and I love Ron. Uh, but Ron is somebody that I like so much that's gay and he's the complete opposite of me. Like, you know, he has kind of like, and he wouldn't mind me describing him this way. This is like actually probably a compliment to him, like a Joan Rivers type style. Right. And, uh, he's so great to watch, but he also, the thing I like about him is he doesn't have that politically correct filter. So he'll say shit and get in trouble but it's like his natural personality and he's super gay. So not every gay comic that I've met is a non-issue, but most of them, like the Guy Branham's, like Guy Branham to me is very lame and tired when it comes to comedy. Um, oh, why is that? Because I, I, full disclosure, I like him because I like his, like, uh, you know, abrasiveness and, uh, you know, when he's a judge at roast battle, he's, he really uh, kind of... At this point, I don't feel it's real. You know, because like I was friends with Guy and then not too long ago, I posted something on his wall about something he had posted and it was regarding LGBT. And then I sent him a private message like because he deleted my post, my comment. And then I sent him a private message and then he told me that um, he thought some of the things that I have said recently about female comics transgender comics and cisgendered gay comics was kind of mean-spirited and whatever else. Well, I've seen your act. So if you're really this brash fag that you pretend to be, then why are you trying to draw lines for me, especially when I've known you for years? And if you really had a problem with some of this, you could have just called me right. since you've had my number for years. And technically tried to booty call me or whatever you did at some point in the well, middle. Don't of blame him for that. <laughs> I've often said you'll be my first. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you know how to get a hold of me is my point. Right. So like, you know, I lose respect for people, especially when they're uh, claimed to be other comics and they're supposed to be quote unquote edgy. And then they try to draw lines for other people because like I may not like certain people on a personal level or whatever like that, but I would never tell any comic like I don't like them or even not like them because of something that I thought was quote unquote mean spirited or whatever. Say whatever the fuck you want to say. I don't care. What I love about you is, uh, when you post screenshots of your uh, grinder uh, matches or uh, dialogue, you know, <laughs> I would never do that. I'd be like, I was on Tinder for a while, you know, but I would never screenshot my conversations. Yeah, I um, I do. You're you're an open book. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a closed book. I, I like to be, not keep secrets, but like, you know. To uh, the discretion, I, but you're just hey, this is who I am. I'm on Grinder. Well, and also like the the more honest I am and the more open I am, the the less anybody can ever come back and throw right. anything in my face. Like that's also part of the thinking with it. You know what I mean? I don't mind everybody knowing everything. Because now nobody can ever come back and say like, hey, I heard you said this. Hey, I heard you did this. Hey, I heard you live like this. Yeah, all of it's been documented on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, podcast. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows exactly where I'm at with everything. And so there's not any surprises. And you uh, recently had your first turn as a judge at Roast Battle. And you killed it. Uh, was that uh, like to me? You're tailor made for being. A you could be like the Charles Nelson Riley of you no. Know, and I'm not. It's a different style. But like you know, he was just like the house. Yeah. Judge. No. No. Uh, did you like being a judge at roast battle? 
Yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. Um, it was my first time, so I was kind of like uh, figuring out like how to fit in or right. how to do it. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, I hope to do it again soon. I had a great time with that. Um, yeah, the thing I didn't like was some of the attention it brought me when it came to like people challenging me for roast battle. Like there was that kid Zane, who right. like tried to challenge me, and. Um, then I put a post out about that and then some people took that as snotty or whatever, but that was really me just like letting people know where I'm at with it. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm, it's a lot of time involved. And if you don't feel that, uh, you, you know, for me, like, I think you felt a similar way about Zane and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but like, I won't, uh, I, I don't really like battling cause it's not, it's not necessarily my uh, type of humor. Uh, but I, I have to gain something if I like when I battle Olivia, it was like, she's the best roaster to me. Yeah. So I gained something just if I could hang in there with her. I don't think you would have, uh, there's very few people who you could gain any, your reputation is already high in the room. Thanks. And yeah, and that's exactly the point I was making was like, yeah, I'm not going to put a time investment because it is a time investment. You know, I've well, seen the way comics run around trying their jokes different places and the number of jokes they have to write. And you're not, you know, I'm not going to have a shitty showing. I'm not going to go and, you know, like bring my fucking stock down and not, yeah. you know, not have done my homework. So yeah, I'm going to take it seriously. So if I'm going to do all of that, then it has to be worth something. And, you know, you don't get paid for it. So it's not like well, monetarily it's going to do me any good. So then, yeah, I need it to like, you know, bring up my visibility while performing or battling somebody that's, you know, not on my level or higher. That's not going to do anything for me. And then also there's no winning at that point. No, it's only losing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, like Pete C, who is uh, I'm good, great friends with him. He's not necessarily a comic. But his reputation has shot up there almost like he is one because he only battles the best. Yeah. Like Sarah Tiana, uh, you know, Kim Congdon, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, some of the better male roasters. And uh, so it's, but, you know, j being a judge is just as good. I think you get the best of both worlds. Like. Yeah, well, because I love watching the show. So that's fun for me right there. And then on top of it, I get to actually talk a little bit of shit, too. So that was good, too. It was it was kind of weird, though, like for me, not only because of being challenged by people, but also because right before that, I had cut off all of the young, younger, newer comics that I was talking to. Like mm -hmm. I even posted on Facebook that, you know. Was it just too much... Uh like I see a lot of younger comics, they, they look at me as a fatherly figure because I'm probably their father's age. Uh, they don't seem to want to put in the work. Like they, like we were talking about at the beginning, the internet's you vine videos. Oh, all I need is six seconds to be funny, and most aren't even funny in the six seconds. And you know, or they see a show like Last Comic Standing, which I know you were on. Uh, I thought you got the best of both worlds. You were on it, but you weren't on it. Yeah. You know, you got the rub. You got you did like the Whitney Cummings thing where she was on it for enough to get a rub off of it, but she didn't, you, you know, like that show to me is hurt comedy. And a lot of funny comics come from that show, but it shows comedy in like one minute chunks. Yeah. So many people get the idea. Of, oh, I just need to do a couple minutes and I'll, I'll I should be on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, 
the uh, the well, the thing with the young comics and me was I got tired of them because um. Like, I'll be honest, like, there have been people that have tried to make it so that I can't get on certain things in L.A. Now, why is that? Because I talk shit. (laughs) You're honest. See, I don't think you do talk shit. I think talking shit is me saying, well, like, if we were, I would never roast you, but, like, let's just say you're dead. I say, well, Ty, you're not funny. You're, that's talking shit. Uh I, I don't think being honest is talking shit. Yeah, but, like, there's people that don't agree with me when it comes to, like, you know, certain issues. Like, when it comes to a lot of what's calling itself trans on the comedy scene right now. And I've talked about this, you know, on other podcasts, so I'll just be brief in it. Um, There's certain comics that call themselves trans. And I told one the other day in so many words on her post that I thought she was more interested in monetizing her transition than actually helping out the community. And there's a lot of people that I think should stop posting selfies and actually work on what it is they're doing that are like really trying to push the I'm a woman thing. And it's like, no, you're not a woman. If you're going to call yourself a woman, at least look like you've seen one at some point in your fucking life. And (laughs) I'm not even trying to be an asshole, but just like, you know, and then you're getting mad at people. And so like, in my opinion, in that way, you're hurting the gay community or LGBT community anyway. Because you're not a good representative for what you're supposed to be. And it's not just about your look. It's your whole attitude. You're mad at the world for not addressing you in the right the right um, pronouns. When really, the world in a lot of cases has your back and is trying to make the best guess they can. But it's hard to tell what it is you're doing. Are you a girl going to be a boy or are you a boy being trying to be right. a girl? And so people take their best guess and then you turn it into this whole political statement of you're being misgendered. So anyway, long story short. These no, people- don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Please, I don't want you cutting off anything. <laughs> yeah, so these people are like, you know, in my opinion, bad for the gay community in that way. So you can't even hold up that flag for me and be like, you know, I'm an LGBT role model. No, you're not. You're making people look bad is what you're doing. So there's that. And then you have these same people that are trying to limit what the rest of us are allowed to say in comedy. So now you're not even a good activist. And then you're not a good comic on top of it. You're not particularly funny. You're not putting in the work. You're just getting this push off of being something that right now is supposed to be really brave. And then there's the fact that I've always had a connection with the trans community, even till now. I mean, like the actual trans community and actual trans people. And, um... And so some of these people have started to get in my way or try to get in my way because it's really hard to really get in my way. You know what I mean? (laughs) So um, they've tried to get in my way. And so I expressed this to a few of my young friends that were hanging out with them. And um, they still continue to hang out with these people. And so at one point I was talking to one in particular about my frustration with one of their friends And then um, he treated me like I was being a headache of some sort or I was kind of bothering him with some shit. And in my head, I was just like, cool, I'll never bother you with this again. But I also was like, I just won't be around you because I think you're hanging out with somebody that's not only bad for what it is I'm trying to do, but comedy in general and what I am in general. So... I completely want these people away from me. Like, they're cool. They can, you know, I'll be friendly when I see them or I say hi or whatever. But like, you know, Robin Tran, I had that bitch punching walls in the fucking belly room, literally. Now, full disclosure, I am friends with Robin. So uh, Mm -hmm. 
uh you, you know it's just i don't want people and i'm you know obviously great friends with you yeah uh i i knew that you guys uh, you know had had a uh disagreement of sorts or uh a um how would you frame it a, a differing of views on uh her situation yeah well the thing with Robin tran is um we didn't have a differing of views on the situation. We had a differing of views on she wrote this shitty article that I called out as being a shitty article. And then her girlfriend and her tried to turn that into me being transphobic. And then that wasn't about transphobia. That was about no matter what you are, this was a shitty fucking article. No, I, I think I uh, browsed the article. I didn't read it fully. Mm -hmm. uh, it was... I think it was about her, uh, the struggles of... Uh... It was about her being afraid of life was what it was about. It was about her not being an assertive person or a strong person. It was about her not understanding that it's going to be a hard road. That's just what it is. I knew that when I came out as being gay. So the fact that you think it's going to be easy for you to transition from man to woman, the fact that you aren't putting the work in that you need to put into becoming what you want to be... And then you want to act like the world is not doing its part. The fact that you're going online to see if you're allowed to go in women's bathrooms. Okay, well, are you asking me if you're a woman or are you telling me you're a woman? Because if you're asking me you're a woman, if you're a woman, I'm going to tell you no. Because women don't run around asking if they can be women. They go into the fucking women's bathroom. I mean, how does that work? I mean, I'm, I, I swear to God, it's a serious question. At what point? Because I know uh, Caitlyn Jenner recently... Uh, she applied for a membership at a country club and they put her in the women's uh, locker room. Like, mm -hmm. At what point, uh, if you are transgender, do you do you go to the other, uh, like if you're a man going to a woman, what, what, when do you get to go into the women's locker room or bathroom? When you decide. Like, honestly, these people make it about a lot more. I've had trans friends my entire adult life. We've never had this be a conversation. Like they always just go into the bathroom that they're supposed to go into. Meaning like, you know, my friends, you know, if they're women, then they're going into the women's bathroom. If they're men, then they're going into the men's bathroom and nobody tells them anything. Nobody, I mean like, yeah, if you look around and look like you're trying to steal something before you walk in a place, then you're going to look suspicious. But if you just walk in like that's where you belong and then let somebody tell you something, even if you have a little bit of a beard, like maybe I have a thyroid problem or I have, you right. know what I mean? Like, you don't know what's going on with me physically. There's a lot of genetic females or cisgendered females, as they would say, that don't look like women because, or, you know, have whiskers or, you know what I mean? There, there is that with the five o'clock shadow. So like, you know, it's about the stuff that's going on in your head. Well, if you're saying that you're a woman, then just go in the fucking bathroom and be a woman. Don't write a whole blog post about how you're afraid of everything throughout your day. That's not empowering for the trans community. And yeah, that can be a part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand that being a part of it. But if you read the article, the whole article was nothing but that. Right. There was no rainbow at the end of the article. There was no pot of gold. It was all just like, you know, oh, my life's so hard and I just have it so hard. And is nobody gets it and bitch kill yourself of course nobody fucking gets it nobody wants to subscri subscribe to your whiny fucking thinking everybody i hang out with like you know what they have all have in common is they're all strong people i don't hang out with any fucking weak bitches so i read the article i thought it sucked because like really when i saw the article and it was like you know like what was written about it was like you know it was her girlfriend kate gary had written something like you know 
Um, please check out this beautiful article that my girlfriend Robin wrote and whatever else. And so I was like, you know, I just woke up and I was like, I'm in the mood to be uplifted. <laughs> I'll read, you know what I mean? I'll read the story of a trans girl. You know, this bitch is doing it. Let me see how she's living her life. And then it turns out to be nothing but how hard it is. Well, bitch, did you think it was going to be easy? Really? What's the matter with you? And then I posted that, you know, and I didn't even post anything particularly mean. I was just like, check out this lame article, everybody, you know, something like that. And then all of a sudden, Kate Gary jumps in and she starts trying to attack me about, and it turned out to be um, Trans Day of Remembrance. And she starts trying to attack me about like, you know, um, how could I do this on a Trans Day of Remembrance and whatever else. And I was like, bitch, stop acting like Trans Day of Remembrance is a thing. Like Trans Day of of remembrance is new. That's not something we've celebrated in the community. I came out when I was 17. I'm 40 now. I've been in the fucking community for 23 years now. And all of a sudden, this bitch who's been a dyke since last February suddenly and she's not even technically a dyke you know what i mean she's dating a trans woman which i also have a problem with that like you're calling yourself a lesbian which technically you're not a lesbian why can't you like if you want the rest of the world to accept you why don't you start with you accepting you exactly as you are you're not a fucking lesbian you're a woman that's dating a trans woman so if you want to say you know like to me the word lesbian doesn't apply lesbians are women who are with other women you know what i mean and especially when you're new like that like you know she had been out since february i think we were having this argument in like september did you know robin when she was a man no no i never knew robin robin as far as comedy goes is not noteworthy so that's the other problem i have you know what i mean like these people are talking to me like they're actual comics when really you're not even that Just like you're not even LGBT. Like, you know, like you came out in February. Like now we're in March. So you're a year and a month in and you're telling me how things work when I've been out for 23 years. Like that's the way we're doing things. So and not to mention like the strides I've made, honestly, in gay comedy, especially when it comes to the L.A. scene. And you're going to come in thinking you're telling me that I'm transphobic because I didn't like your girlfriend's argument. And then... So once you start calling me transphobic, cool, then, you know, I'll let you do that for a second. But then you start trying to get insulting with me. And then like to me in gay terms, that turns into something different. That turns into what we call reading. So if we're reading, we're reading. And at that point, once you start like, you know, calling me names, then I'm going to let you know that your girlfriend's a man. And I'm going to let you know that she has a five o'clock shadow and she really needs to work on her fucking makeup. And I'm going to go full on in on you. And that's just the way it works. It's not transphobia at that point. Bitch, you shouldn't have started it. <laughs> you know, like you started it with the wrong fucking person. <laughs> See, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race, so I'm very familiar with the term reading. The, yeah. li- the library is open. Yeah. And it's an old school like reading is like a lot of people think that that started with RuPaul and that kind of stuff. Ah. But reading is like an old, old school thing. Like, you know, we've been reading forever and people were reading long before I even came along, you know. So like, you know, and I learned to read from trans people like they're the best at it. Like my friends were Coco, who's a legendary queen and she really is legendary trans woman. Um, She's won the biggest pageant in the world, which is um, continental. 
and yeah, so that's like, you know, and then I was with all the girls in Vegas and it's just like, you know, I have such a connection with that community that calling me transphobic isn't the right term for what I am. I mean, like maybe I'm not the most sympathetic to what the newer kids are going through or whatever, but like, you know, so calling me, you know, unsympathetic or any of that would be, you know, if you even want to call me like more rough terms, like an asshole or a piece of shit or whatever, you know what I mean? Definitely do that. But like calling me transphobic, you can't make it transphobic every time somebody has a question or every time somebody doesn't agree with your thinking or thinks it like if you're supposed to be a woman, like, you know, I didn't, Oh, the part that they said was transphobic was because at the end of my, like, check out this lame article, I was like, um, maybe if you're afraid of everything, being trans isn't for you. Right. And then that's when they started in with the like, you know, are you saying being trans is a choice? No, I'm saying actually being a strong person is a choice. I'm saying that if you want to live in your truth, then that's not always going to be the easiest road and you should be prepared for that. You know what I mean? Like you knew you lived in Orange County when you started making this change. So you didn't take into account that you were going to have to make your transition in front of an orange of which like that too, like people put so much into geography, but like, you know, I performed in places that they were supposed to kill me and had people love me. So even that is a lot of times in their own heads. Was that the hardest part being a, uh, a gay comic? Cause like, I remember when I would open for people when I first started and I was pretty green I was pretty bad too, to be honest with you and I would do like jokes about being Jewish and the club owner would come up to me and, and be completely serious and say dude you can't tell people you're Jewish around here I'm like why not he's like they want to fucking kill you I'm like what and he was and so I can I can imagine in certain I don't know why I say the Midwest but certain parts of the country where uh, being uh, an upfront gay comic might have led to uh, situations that were going to be uh, rough for you. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it's pretty progressive country now, but like, yeah, you know. 13 years that I've been doing this, you know, that's the other thing people don't understand when I first started. Yeah. It was a little more closed minded, but you know, I always like, I would always start off by just setting up that I was funny first before I went into the fact that I was right. gay and that would like make people very open to me. So I didn't really have a lot of problems with that. You know what I mean? Like, the the only thing that would occasionally turn people off to me was like, you know, on certain nights I would be a little too abrasive, just my personality. But like, you know, as far as being gay, I don't really think that's ever been the problem. So anyway, like just to wrap up with the thing with Robin Tran, please. like um, they talked a bunch of shit and then um, my thinking with people like that is always like, well, eventually I'll end up seeing you in person anyway. And so when I saw Robin Tran. At Rose Battle. Yeah. I just was very clear with her about, you know. You go up to her and say, hey, you, I mean, what's your problem? Or does she go up to you? And or how did that play out? Because I, I was hearing, uh, you know, the comedy store is, it's like an ant farm of information. Yeah, tell me what you heard and then I'll tell you what. And I don't care who you heard it from. I'm not going to ask that. But just tell me what you heard and then I'll tell you what actually I'm going to be 100% completely honest with you. Uh, I It was just buzzing around the club. So uh -huh. I, I don't really, re I don't remember who. It was just... 
information travels. And it's like, hey, I think there was a fight upstairs or something with Ty and someone punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> you know, it just started getting crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's basically, because uh, you know, on Roast Battle Night, it, it's every room is packed. Uh, you know, people come down from uh, the belly room and it's just, you know, people go in the OR, people go in the main room, people go in the patio and it's just it's like a whirlwind of information. Yeah, no, I didn't know she was on the lineup that night. I just got there and then um, and she tried to have me. Well, not tried to have. She had me trolled by other trans people like that's another thing she did. She blocked me and then she um, like put out my info and stuff like that as far as like my Facebook and like, you know, even I think included a link so people would know exactly which, where I was. I have a screenshot of it somewhere because a friend of mine sent it to me. Um, but anyway, she trolled me while I'm blocked. So it's like, you think I don't know that you're trying to have me trolled right now, but I know that this is happening. You know what I mean? And then Kate tried to make this big deal or whatever. And then they went on like, you know, um, pussy posse, that female group and tried to make it a big deal with there. So they tried every way they could to make this hard for me. Right. Right. And not realizing that since I don't care, nobody's going to treat it with any real, like, low enders i guess will care but nobody's going to treat it with any real seriousness um but it was still very annoying when i had these trans people like my facebook did get shut down for seven days because yeah because this trans person was trolling and just found something she found offensive and decided to report it and so like that turned into you know like and um so it was like annoying on certain levels so then when i saw her then right away she like you know sticks her hand out like to shake my hand like we're friends and so when she stuck her hand out at first i just looked at her like she was crazy and then i went in and put my hand out as well and then instead of just shaking her hand i pulled her into me a little bit and was like is there anything you want to say to me right now and then she was like, she's like, no, no, no. And so I was like, all right, cool. So then I watched her on Roast Battle and I thought she was all right. You know what I mean? Like I enjoyed that battle and stuff like that. But I also noticed that she's really fun about people misgendering and everything else when Roast Battle is happening. Right. Which if you're such a soft spot for you and you hate it so much and whatever else, then why is it you selectively have a sense of humor about it when you think it can help your career out? You know what I mean? Like if it's so offensive when anybody jokes about it or anything else outside of these circumstances that help you get ahead, then why is it always, you know what I mean? Like I get it. all of a sudden it's forgivable. And so what I told her was, you know, cause that began to get on my nerves. So then like when I saw her in the green room, I just said, um, after her rose, is this, yeah, uh, after, after her rose. rose. Cause uh, like once I realized she's about to go on, I realized that wasn't a good time to continue that conversation with asking her, you know what I mean? Like, and so I told her something like when I saw her in the green room, I was like, okay, you know how fun you were just being on stage right now? And then she shook her head. Yes. And I was like, remember that same attitude the next time you try to be a cunt to somebody on Facebook. I was like, just stay that fun way. Stay like that instead of, turning into an asshole once you get online. And then she was like, okay, okay. And so like, you know, like in my head, I was kind of mean with her, like not the nicest to her. So I decided to clear that up like at the end of the battle. This is at the end, end of the night. So a couple hours or, you know, at least an hour later or whatever. Um, 
And I just like saw her and I was like, you know, wanted to talk to her person to person and really like honest, a hundred percent where my thinking was going was I wanted to let her know that, um, as another LGBT person, I do get it. And I know that sometimes you feel like everybody's against you and whatever else, but believe me, that's not the case. There's plenty of support out there, including me myself. You know what I mean? I just didn't happen to like your article because I didn't think it came from an empowered place. So I was going to tell her stuff like this. And instead, when I was like, you know, can we go talk for a second? And I did say it like that. I wasn't being an asshole at all. I was like, can we go talk for a second? And then she was like, I don't have anything else to say to you. And then I was like, all right, cool. Well, then we can just talk here. And then I explained to her when I read your article, it wasn't about you being trans. I just didn't like the article. So that's why I posted what I posted. And then I told her a little bit of what I just was telling you right now. And then I was like, I was like, just, you know, if you want to be cool, we can be cool, but don't have people troll me online. I was like, I know that, you know, you were having me trolled. I know that you're the one that put my information out there. Just don't do that kind of shit because then when that kind of shit happens, I am the kind of person that's going to come directly to you. Right. And then she was like, yeah, I just don't want any of this. And I was like, we won't have any of this. Just don't do this. Don't do that anymore. And I was like, and make sure you tell Kate too. And that's where she got like, Kate is her own person. And then I was like, you know, I'm telling you to let your girlfriend know not to be trolling me either. And then she tried to go the Kate is her own person route again. And that's when she knew I was about to break it down for her because she started punching walls right after I let her know. What you have to understand is I'm always going to come back to you. And then that's when she started punching walls. But where I was going with that is because the truth of the matter is no matter what you call yourself, you're a man. So I can't go to Kate the same way I come to you. Right. I come to you because you're another man. And when it comes down to it, that's where I handle my problem is with the other man. I'm not going to be running around picking on girls in real life. <laughs> I'll do that. That's cool for Facebook. You know what I mean? But like you get into it with the girl or whatever, but in real life, you know what I mean? Like you handle it man to man, you know? So if you want to be a woman, then I get it. Be a woman, stay out of, out of all that shit and tell your girlfriend to do the same thing. You know what I mean? Don't be brave on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, like now you're a delicate flower of a lady once you're in real life again. But then as I was just saying the part about like, you know, I'm always going to come back to you. Then she just turned around and started punching the fucking walls. <laughs> Literally. Well, well, I mean, uh, I love both of you, but, uh, you know, the, you know. The story's out there now, and uh, you, you know, uh, you know, not everyone can uh, agree with everyone, and so. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have a problem with my friends being friendly with her, but like you know, I do think that people that actually love comedy should and are also friends with her should tell her that comedy isn't about your activism and whatever it is you're trying to do. Comedy is supposed to be about jokes and being funny and different points of view. And you can say anything you want on stage, just put a punchline at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like don't try to make it so people can't say certain words or express certain ideas because they make you uncomfortable. Because like, could you imagine if I had come on the scene 13 years ago and been telling everybody that they couldn't say the word fag or they couldn't do any gay jokes or I don't do that shit now. Right. 
And technically, I could get it so a lot of people can't do certain spots. And you know what I mean? I could make a big deal. If I wrote a blog where I was just complete victim instead of my personality, I could get a lot of people shut down. I, I could even talk would. about fucking club owners that have said things that they're not supposed to say, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like I get, I, to this day, I get people that turn me down for work and their reason is because they don't think I would play in their club. Well, what the fuck do you think that means? Like that's because I'm gay. That's the reason. And they don't think what I do would play in their club. They don't think a gay comic could do well in front of their audience. So if I were to make a big deal about that, every time shit like that happened, I wouldn't do anything for my career and it technically wouldn't help comedy. What I can do is be a better and better comic and make it so these clubs can't tell me no. And then once they see one gay comic do it, then they'll be more open to letting other gay comics do it, which is what I've done with a lot of places already. So, you know, that's the way to do your activism in comedy is just be good at what you do. And no matter what you are, you'll get ahead and you'll also help your other, your people out as well. Well, words to live by. And no matter if you're gay, straight, whatever, transgendered, on the fence, just be funny. That's true. Now, this is the part I could talk to you for hours, Ty. Yeah, I'm sorry I got so like you can edit that out if no, you want. No, no, listen. I don't angry at the end, I guess, or I'm just passionate about these This is why I had you on. Okay. I try not to edit anything out. Uh, two guests on this show have said the N-word and I didn't edit it out. <laughs> and one one's like after, he's like, hey, you're going to edit that part out, right? I'm nope. So, uh, no, no, I want people to go, wow, I want to hear part two with this guy. So I think this is a good point too. And I don't think you're angry, just being honest. And, you know, Robin will probably be a guest, uh, you know, with just logistics problems because she's Garden Grove. So... Uh, <laughs> No, no, I mean, I... I, I know, uh, it's out uh, there. I know, it's, it's hard to get people to... I, I just laugh because it is, you know, I know how L.A. geography is, and it is like a lot to be like West Hollywood to... It's hard. County or, you know, I <laughs> Dustin Penner, the uh, hockey player, came from uh, Seal Beach, which, you know, he didn't have to. It's a guy who's, you know, worth, you know, like a, a bazillion dollars. I was like, he's never going to say yes, but he came down, took him two hours to drive, and, you know... I, I mean, I know, you know, we're buds for life, but, you know, this guy was like, who the fuck is this guy asking me to be on this podcast? So Robin will be uh, not, uh, you know, she's a big wrestling fan. So that's what I'm sure we'll talk about. But, uh, you know, I just want the audience. So I'm friends with both closer with Ty because I've known him for 13 years, but uh, I've known Robin for, I don't know, but uh, basically since I met her at Roast Battle. So, uh, but uh, she's always cool to me. So, uh you know, you'll hear uh, her side of things at some point. But uh, just know this, that uh, Ty Rivera is one of my best friends in comedy and in life. I always say this. Uh, if I quit comedy tomorrow, I would talk to Ty, uh, you know. Thank you, Earl. I love you, too. Uh, no, <laughs> I no, I mean really that. mean that. I, I There's so very I. few people, if I quit comedy tomorrow, that I would, you know, I would talk to Chris Ramirez, uh, you, uh, Olivia, Gail, uh, and gee, that's about it. Maybe Adam, in case I got back into it. I, I need one guy who could help me out. And Jamie from the Improv. But where can people find you on Twitter? At Ty Rivera. T-H-A-I-R-I-V-E-R-A. And same thing on uh, Instagram? Um, you know what the best thing to do is just to go to tyrivera.com. Okay. And then they can get my... Uh, 
CD? Do you have like a merch? Yeah, there's my my CDs right on the homepage, and then you can also get my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, because technically my Instagram is at official Ty Rivera. Okay. But um, yeah, just go to tyrivera.com. Again, that's T-H-A-I-R-I-V-E-R-A. And uh, I think if there's any one guest that the inappropriate Earl fans will really love his comedy, it's Ty, because you like me because I keep it real to a degree. Ty makes me look like a bullshitter. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, I just, I loved having you. We're going to have you on uh, Back for More, as my favorite band Rat would say. Always got to get in a Rat reference. Uh, by the way, the drummer from Rat turned me down. Ugh. Said because I had the singer on, he wouldn't come on. So, uh, you know, Bobby Blotzer, I appreciate you turning me down. At least you got back to me. So, uh, Inappropriate Earl, iTunes and SoundCloud. Please share and retweet this, all that good stuff, because Ty's voice deserves to be heard to the masses. Trying to get him into the straight community. And, uh, you know, I'm fully entrenched in the gay community. Believe me on that one. You don't live on Larrabee for 15 years and not have your ear to the ground, as Ty would say. Uh, We'll be back next week. Please, I don't know who the next guest is, but I appreciate the love and support. Please. Follow Ty Rivera, tyrivera.com. He's the real deal. Go see him at a comedy club near you. Dates. I'm assuming Ty dates are on your website when you're performing. Yeah, front page. And uh, live at Gotham. Uh, well, you did Premium Blitten or live at Gotham? Live at Gotham. Uh, go on YouTube. Check out his live at Gotham set. It was killer. And uh, you're going to be, uh, you're going to have a new favorite comic, guys. So who knows? You might see a Rivera Skakel uh, straight gay tour. Uh, we'll just, we'll, Win over the masses. Watch RuPaul's Drag Race every Monday night. Bravo Network. 